0: Hebrews chapter seven verses one through ten. Hear God's word. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the most high God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. See how great this man was to whom Abram The patriarch gave a tenth of the spoils. And those descendants of Levi, who received the priestly office, have commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers. Though these are also descended from Abraham. But this man, who does not have his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified that he lives. One might even say that Levi himself, who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham. For he was still in his loin, in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this your word, and uh, we pray now that you'd be pleased to uh, bless us in it. Uh, We ask, Father, that uh, we might see that uh, although uh, Abraham is great and that uh, Melchizedek is even greater, Uh, We pray that in the end we will see uh, that Jesus Christ is the greatest of all. And so uh, be pleased to open uh, this text to us to this end, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Amen. After Jesus uh, entered uh, Jerusalem triumphantly, on, in the last week in uh, which he lived uh, bodily in this world, uh, a group of Greeks uh, came to uh, one of Jesus' disciples, uh, Philip by name. And uh, they said to Philip, we want to see Jesus. Or, or as the King James put, puts it, we would see Jesus. Jesus. Uh, that saying, uh, those words uh, have been put on uh, many plaques and uh, they have been engraved in many pulpits uh, to remind pastors uh, that the primary message uh, to be given to the congregation is Jesus Christ. Now, uh, the text which is before us this evening, uh, at first reading, you might say, where is Jesus? The text is about Abraham. Uh, the text is about Melchizedek. Uh, but I hope to show you in the end uh, that the text does lead you and me to Jesus Christ and to see Jesus. Not to just look at Him in a passing way, but to see Him for who He is. And so that's the major injunction tonight. Very simple, isn't it? See Jesus. Of course, the text does begin with Melchizedek. Uh, the first uh, couple of verses speaking about Melchizedek and uh, the writer to the Hebrews has uh, a few verses in Genesis in mind in Genesis chapter 14 verses 17 and following uh, so if you want to go back in your bibles to uh, Genesis 14 uh, to just these few verses uh, Genesis 14:17 and following uh, here uh, we see Melchizedek "'Introduced to us. "'After his, that is, "'Abram's return from the defeat of Chedor Laomer "'and the kings who were with him, "'the king of Sodom went out to meet him, "'that is, Abram, at the valley of Shavah, "'that is, the king's valley. "'And Melchizedek, king of Salem, "'brought out bread and wine. "'He was priest of the Most High God.' And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God Most High, Possessor or Creator of heaven and earth. And blessed be God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. Actually, there are only three verses here that speak about Melchizedek. This is how he's brought on the scene in Genesis. And the writer to the Hebrews is referring to this passage in Genesis in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 1 and 2. So you can look there again in Hebrews chapter 7. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, "...met Abraham, returning from the slaughter of the kings, and blessed him. And to him Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, that is, king of peace." Yes, this Melchizedek, king of righteousness, first of all. That's the meaning of his name. Uh, Melchizedek, Melech, the Hebrew word for king. Sadak, the Hebrew word for righteousness. Melchizedek, Melchizedek. Now that's his name, king of righteousness. And he is king of Salem. Salem was no doubt the location of Jerusalem, the place of peace. At least that's what it was supposed to be the King of Peace, the King of Salem, and also Priest of the Most High God. King Priest of the Most High God. Huh. In what was the location of that which was to be Jerusalem, and we should mention also the location where Abraham later sacrificed his son Isaac Mount Moriah same location and there his priest most high must be that there were believers in the land outside of the family of Abraham Must have been that there were believers in the land outside of the family of Abraham. Just like Job was a believer. And it's surprising where you meet believers, isn't it? Have you noticed this in your own going about? It's sometimes very amazing where you meet other Christians in the most unexpected places. And... Uh, I guess really we shouldn't be surprised at that. Uh, This is the kind of circumstance we meet in uh, 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 the text this evening. And so Melchizedek went out uh, to meet Abraham after uh, Abraham returned from the slaughter of the kings. Uh, The story is like this. The kings of Sodom and uh, other associated kings rebelled against uh, those who were over them. And of course, Lot, uh, the nephew of uh, Abraham, had settled in uh, Sodom. And uh, when this rebellion proceeded, uh, Chedorlaomar and uh, the associated kings uh, came down on Sodom and uh, took away a host of captives, and among them was Lot. And so, when Abraham was informed of this, he gathered uh, his forces, a little over 300 men, and he went out after uh, these five kings. (laughs) You'd scratch your head a little bit at that, wouldn't you? Uh, You'd think an inferior force... Uh, could not conquer a superior force, but not except for the fact that it was God's army. And Abraham rescues his nephew and a large company of people from Sodom. And when he comes back home, Here comes Melchizedek out to meet him. Must be that Abraham and Melchizedek knew each other. Good probability that these two prominent figures in the land did in fact know each other. Melchizedek brings bread and wine, foodstuff. Some suppose this is a precursor of communion. I think not. Food stuff. When the Lord reminds us to pray for our daily bread, you're familiar with that prayer. When He reminds us to pray for our daily bread, He's just not asking us to pray for bread. He's asking us to pray for all that we need to sustain us in our daily life. Bread and wine was a staple in the culture among Abraham and Melchizedek. And it wasn't a small group now that had gathered together. Abraham had a force of over 300. He'd uh, conquered other kings and he had a number of captives that he'd brought uh, with him to restore them to Sodom. The king of Sodom came out to greet Abraham. The king of Sodom didn't come out all by himself. He came out with an entourage. And so did Melchizedek, the king of Salem. He didn't come out there all by himself. It's like the president. He doesn't uh, travel in a, a small entourage. Be nice if that were possible. But it doesn't happen. And so the king comes with uh, not a small group of people. And so there are several hundred gathered here, and they enter into a feast of celebration. And this is the circumstance that the writer to the Hebrews places before us. Now, uh, obviously, Abraham is a great figure in this uh, whole circumstance And if you look down into the end of verse 6 in the text, verse 6 tells us about the greatness of Abraham. Abraham was he who had the promises. He was the one who had the promises of God. God had promised Abraham that he would give his descendants the land of Canaan. The whole land. And the Apostle Paul interprets that land as a mere token and pledge of the true promise, which was a promise of the whole world. That's how the Apostle Paul interprets it. And not only so, Abraham was promised that his children would be a multitude of people. That they would number as many as the stars of heaven and as the grains of sand on the seashore. That his family would be a huge multitude. And... God also promised Abraham that in him and in his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. The Apostle Paul interprets that promise as the gospel. He says the Scripture spoke beforehand to Abraham the gospel, saying that in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Abraham had the gospel promise. And those of you who trust in Jesus Christ, the New Testament says, are children of Abraham, and that Abraham is your father in the faith. And this in part is how Uh, of course, Abraham's family becomes such a huge multitude. This is part of the structure of things. And so there's a sense in which, uh, you see, uh, in a way, you are in this text because you are also recipients of the promises of God. Well, Abraham was very great. But it turns out, In the argument of uh, the writer to the Hebrews, Melchizedek is greater. Look now at verse 4 in Hebrews 7. See how great this man, Melchizedek, was, to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. Now think about this. Uh, Abraham comes back from uh, uh, this uh, battlefield, from this war, and uh, he brings along with him uh, people and cattle and goods and uh, all sorts of things, the spoils of war. And uh, the text easily says uh, to you and to me, Abraham turns over to Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. Now, I would have to think that Abraham wouldn't do this with regard to any individual that happened to come down the pike. Again, he must have known something about Melchizedek. He must have known who Melchizedek was. And again, it's very possible that he was acquainted with Melchizedek. And because Melchizedek is recognized by Abraham as a representative of God Most High, the God whom Abraham serves, God or Abraham readily gives over to Melchizedek a tenth of the spoils. And so we see uh, the idea of the tithe. Uh, Some have questioned uh, whether or not the tithe uh, is a New Testament principle. Well, we don't see uh, the tithe mentioned in the New Testament. But I think it is a New Testament principle. And I say it's a New Testament principle because Abraham... Uh, once again, is characterized by the New Testament as the father of the faithful. And if you are a person of faith, are you not going to follow the example of your father? And if you follow the example of your father in the faith, you are going to be one who gives a tenth of all. You are going to be one who tithes. Uh, To me, uh, that's a very simple case. And uh, so, I I give it to you uh, in that light. And so, Abraham, as one who recognizes the priority of Melchizedek and is submissive to his great God, gives a tenth of all. And the superiority of Melchizedek is seen in his office here in the text. And it's not only that Melchizedek paid tithes, but the interesting piece of the argument is that even Abraham's descendants paid tithes to Melchizedek. This is the argument in the text. Verse 5, "...and those, who, those descendants of Levi who receive the priestly office have a commandment in the law to take tithes from the people, that is, from their brothers, though these also are descended from Abraham. But this man does not have his descent from them." who does not have this his descent from them, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who had the promises. Verse 8, In the one case, tithes are received by mortal men, but in the other case, by one of whom it is testified, he lives. One might even say that Levi himself who receives tithes, paid tithes through Abraham, for he was still in the loins of his ancestor when Melchizedek met him. And the argument's very simple. Abraham was the head of a great family. And then it was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and then the twelve sons of Jacob, the Israelites. And one of the sons of uh, Jacob was Levi. And the Levites were designated by God to be the priestly tribe of Israel, And they were commissioned in the law of Moses to receive tithes from all of the people of Israel. And to show the superiority of Melchizedek, the writer to the Hebrews says, isn't this interesting now? There's a sense in which we can say that those who under the law were commanded to receive tithes of the people paid tithes to Melchizedek through Abraham, who represented them in this particular case. Now, there's another little subtle lesson here, it seems to me. And the subtle lesson is this. The tithe existed many generations before God spoke about the people tithing in the Law of Moses. It's quite evident that this is the case. And so the principle of the tithe was there long before the law exacted the tithe from the people. And it's there in the heart of Abraham, the father of the faithful. A good lesson for us, I think. And so Melchizedek is argued in this case to be greater than Abraham because he received tithes from Abraham. But this is not all. Melchizedek is greater because he blesses Abraham. Verse 7. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. That's the argument. And Melchizedek blesses Abraham. This blessing was not simply a word of congratulations that was given to Abraham by Melchizedek in saying job well done go in peace oh no much more than that this blessing given by Melchizedek was a confirmation that all the good and precious promises given by God to Abraham would be fulfilled. This blessing was a confirmation of the promise that Abraham and his family would be given all the land of Canaan. This blessing was a confirmation of the word of promise to Abraham that his family would be a multitude of people numbering as many as the stars of heaven and the grains of sand on the seashore. This blessing was a confirmation of the promise of God that in Him and in His seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Blessed be, Abram, by God Most High, possessor of heaven and earth. Whatever God pronounces, God accomplishes. Whatever God says will be, will be. Blessed be, God Most High, who has delivered your enemies into your hands and will deliver your enemies, into your hands. Friends, understand this. God has given you many good and precious promises. And when you hear the benediction at the end of a worship service, week by week, it's not just a simple see ya, Come back next week. No. It's a confirmation of the fact that all the good and precious promises God has made to you will come to pass and that God will complete the good work that He began in you. Verse seven again. It is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. And in this case, this is the argument of the book of Hebrews. That Abraham is great. To be sure, Melchizedek is greater. But the greatest, the greatest is Jesus Christ. Verse three. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the son of God continues a priest forever. When you begin that text, when you begin reading that text, uh, who do you think of first? You think of Jesus Christ first. The The text is speaking about Melchizedek, and the text is making a comparison between Melchizedek and Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He, that is Melchizedek, is without father or mother, The way Melchizedek came upon the scene in the book of Genesis, uh, there's no record of his birth, there's no record of his death, there's no record of who his mother is, there's no record of who his father is. Now you know that the Jews were meticulous about these things. They always recorded the mother and the father of an individual and recorded the genealogy of individuals when they came into the world. They were meticulous about these things. But in the case of Melchizedek, there is no record. The way he came into the world, it appears as though he has no father. He has no mother. There is no genealogy. There is no date of birth. And there's no date of death that's given. He comes on the scene suddenly and then passes from the scene in the same manner. And in this respect, the writer to the Hebrews says He's like the Son of God. The Son of God who in His divinity has no father or mother. Oh yes, when He was born into this world and became a man, it's recorded that He had a mother and a stepfather. And the date of His birth and the date of His death is given as a man, but as God as the second person of the Trinity. No father, no mother, no genealogy, no beginning of days, no end of days. He is a priest forever, our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very striking and interesting thing that happens to us We live down here on the horizontal. And we think of Abraham. And we think of Melchizedek. And we think of Jesus. And we have pictures that have been drawn of Abraham. And we have pictures that have been drawn of Melchizedek. Oh yes, and we have pictures that have been drawn of Jesus. And we bring Jesus down to the level of Melchizedek and to the level of Abraham. Uh, This is our typical approach. We live on the horizontal. And we do not see, as we should, the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. The uniqueness of the Son of the living God. And you and I need to see Jesus. See, in the end, this is where the text is taking us. To see, yes, that Abraham is great and Melchizedek is greater, but no comparison with Jesus Christ the Lord. And so, my desire, my desire is for you to see Jesus and for me to see Jesus. Think about, think about Isaiah. In chapter 6 of the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah sees the Lord high and lifted up in the temple and his robes filled the temple and the immediate response of Isaiah was woe is me I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips He saw Jesus and he saw himself as he really is a sinner. And then there was the possibility of real permanent change that took place. Think about, think about the apostle John. In the first chapter of the book of Revelation, who sees a vision of Jesus Christ in glorious robes with a golden girdle and belt and a sword extending out of His mouth And in his right hand, he had seven stars. And his eyes were like coals of fire burning. And his face shone like the sun in its brightness. And what could John do? He fell on his face in adoration before the Son of God. And then there was Peter. You remember Peter? Impetuous Peter? Peter the fisherman. Been out fishing all night. And the Lord uh, gets him to go out in a boat again. And the Lord preaches for a while from the boat. And He says, Go out into the deep and put down your nets. And Peter says, I've been fishing all night. We haven't caught a thing. But in response... I'll put down the nets. And they hauled in such a catch they had to, they had to call other fishermen to come in and they filled the boats with fish and nearly sank the boats. They were so full of fish. And Peter's only response was, depart from me because I'm a sinful, I'm a sinful man. He began to see who Jesus actually is. Uh, Friends, uh, you and I may have problems. Uh, There may be marital problems. There may be problems of employment. There may be other types of difficulty in the family with siblings or with children. You know what the big answer is? See Jesus. See Jesus for who He actually is. And there'll be profound Lasting change. One other example. Moses. Do you remember Moses? Went up on the mountain. Forty days and forty nights. And God spoke to Moses like a man speaks to his friend. And when Moses came down from that mountain after encountering the great God of glory, he was changed. His very countenance was altered. And he was a changed man. Moses is great. Abraham was great. Melchizedek is greater. And Jesus Christ is the greatest of all. The changer of life. See Jesus. As to who he is and other matters will fade into the deep dark distance and be of little consequence because Jesus Christ is all in all. See him. Let's pray. Father, good to you are, good to us you are, better than we deserve, because we have opportunities to see Jesus, to see Jesus in your word to see Jesus as we come together for worship and are confronted with Your Word by the power of Your Spirit. So reveal Him to us that inalterable change takes place in our lives and we walk differently and we will no longer have the plea to see Jesus because our testimony will always be, yes we have. Be pleased to bless us to this end, we ask. In the good name of Jesus Christ, who is the Lord. Amen.